0: For questions to the Minister for Infrastructure, infrastructure, I call Robbie Butler to ask the first question. Mr Butler. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. Question number one, please. I, I, guess get him I call the Minister.
1: Members will know that I am ambitious for a rail network, and I have a vision to enhance our rail connectivity, uh, to better connect our communities while delivering cleaner, greener, more sustainable transport. I was delighted, alongside my counterpart in the Irish Government, Minister Eamon Ryan, to announce the All-Island Strategic Rail Review, which will allow us to consider our network across this island to view how we can improve it for everyone. The review will examine the potential for rail connections across the island, including how our existing connections could be improved and where new rail links could and would be best placed. I want to ensure that any proposals for changes to the rail network include operational and financial viability and have a very clear focus on the part that rail can play in growing our all-island economy while improving the ability of people to connect, access opportunities and address long-standing regional imbalances. The purpose of this review will be to allow data to drive how to improve and expand our rail connections, allowing us to press ahead at long last with enhancing our rail connectivity in Northern Ireland and across the island. The reopening of old railways, including the Lisburn to Antrim Railway, will be considered as part of this overall review. My Department is also currently preparing the Regional Strategic Transport Network Transport Plan for public consultation, it is anticipated this plan will be published for consultation later this year, and I would welcome all representations from the public, including those in respect of reopening Lisburn Antrim railway line Van Nockmoor through this process.
0: Mr Butler, for a supplementary.
2: Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker, I thank the Minister for her encouraging answer. I know that the Minister is also fiscally responsible too in her outlook and, and should be commended for that. And with regard to providing either new real network or indeed opening up older ones, obviously there are financial burdens. Does the Minister accept that reopening this Antrim Line would be perhaps one of the most cost-effective options that is available to her?
1: I thank the Member for his question. And- We always have to be very mindful of fiscal constraints and the importance of fiscal responsibility. The member may know that, since 2005, TransLink has spent just over £2 million maintaining the line to allow for its current non-passenger use, and while he makes a key point, as stated in the All-Island Rail Review, um, this will allow us to consider our our rail network to view how we can improve it for everyone. So while it reflects a commitment under new decade new approach I want to use this opportunity to examine the data to examine operational and financial viability and ensure that we can do what we can to enhance our rail network and specifically within the all island strategic rail review is a focus on how we can connect through rail our international gateway so our ports and our ports would, would also be an important element of the railway line that the member has highlighted.
3: To be, to ask to um, I, I, I thank the minister there for her questions uh, to my Lagan Valley the Answer. I know the minister knows how important real connectivity will be in helping us reduce emissions. Uh, could the minister provide an update on our work with Minister Ryan to improve all island connectivity? Thank you
1: thank the member for his question uh, and of course re- improving our rail network is about connecting communities to opportunities it enhances our tourism offering but the member makes a very important point it is also about ensuring that we're taking action to encourage more people to use sustainable transport to use public transport and uh, our rail network is an important um, part of that. In respect of the all Island Strategic Rail Review, um, the uh, procurement process has begun. It is restricted to, at the very mo- uh, maximum, a 12-month period. And as I said, it will be data-driven it will report back, but an important part of that process will be a public consultation exercise. So I would encourage the member and others to make sure that they feed into that process.
0: Martina Anderson, for your case. Call Martina Anderson.
1: Uh, Going and
4: Minister, as you know, I've been quite focal about rail connectivity, particularly in the north-west, maybe sometimes, sometimes too focal, but and it was welcome that my adjournment debate received cross-party support uh, here a few short months ago. So, in light of that, Minister, can you provide an update on the feasibility study to improve the dairy line, and such as the phase three works, and the consideration of the half Hourly um, halts at Ballykelly, uh, Stratford
1: and also the City of Derry Airport?
0: While well, it is not necessarily the question that has been asked, it is at the Minister's discretion to answer.
1: Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. Uh, and I am content to uh, answer. As I have said many times in this chamber and outside it, I believe that rail has huge untapped potential to deliver multiple benefits across our island. And I think it is an important component in terms of addressing regional imbalance as well. Uh, that is why I have been very much focused as, uh, as Minister on improving connectivity to the North West. So it was in line with this, com- this commitment that I commissioned a feasibility study to get phase three of the coal Rain to dairy project back on track. As a Member has highlighted, I have also commissioned additional studies to explore the possibility of a half-hourly service between Belfast and Derry, as well as providing additional uh, rail halts at Ballykelly, Kelly, Strathfoyle and the City of uh, Derry Airport. Eglinton as well. I can update uh, members that work on the phase three feasibility study is ongoing with the number of topographical and pilot studies underway and the report is still on schedule to be completed by November this year. A full business case will then be prepared and submitted to me and this will ensure that all future spend is fully informed by a robust business case and that there is high level assurance on costs and risks and benefit realisation also.
0: I call Diane Dodds for a question.
1: Thank you uh,
3: Mr Deputy Speaker. The question rightly focuses on uh, the importance of connectivity and in the original question real connectivity. Um, It is hugely important to grow the the economy, it is important for our relationships right across this island. The Minister makes much of uh, her engagement with all island strategies. Could she tell the House what engagement she has and continues to have with the union connectivity review, which is extremely important uh, for connectivity within uh, the United Kingdom?
0: And again, it's not specifically the question that was asked, it's at the minister's discretion what she wants to answer.
1: Thank you, uh, Mr Deputy Speaker. Um, As I have demonstrated on multiple occasions, I very much value the uh, importance of connectivity right across these islands and I'm also very much committed to partnership working across these islands. I have met Sir Piri Hendy, who is the Chair of the UK Connectivity Review. I've also um, made a written submission to the review also. Uh, and as part of my commitment to working across um, these islands with my ministerial counterparts, I as recently as last week met with my ministerial counterparts in Scotland and in Wales, where we discussed a range of the shared challenges and shared opportunities when it comes to transport uh, and when it comes to uh, a modal shift. Uh, in people's travel and also uh, on the area of the um, climate emergency as well, so remain very much committed to working across these islands to improve the lives of everyone in Northern Ireland.
0: I call Andrew
2: Muir. Deputy Speaker, uh, reopening um, old railway lines and abandoned railway lines is a key aspect of our green recovery, which we need to plan for. But Can I ask the Minister, in relation to our existing network, what is the current situation with regards to the railway passenger numbers and what is more is being done to encourage people back onto the railway?
1: I thank the member for his question. Um, I do not have the most up-to-date figures at hand in terms of the passengers who are travelling on our rail uh, transport, from, but, from recollection, uh, some of the most recent figures that I have seen are around kind of the 60 per cent mark. Uh, of course, where we have uh, periods of very good weather and bank holiday weekends, we see an increase in the number of passengers there, and that is why TransLink has put in a series of measures to mitigate against that, working with the PSNI. Also, uh, but we have, throughout the pandemic, ensured that we have put a number of measures in place to give passengers the confidence to be able to travel. The member will know that we introduced mandatory face coverings in the use of our public transport. We also have a number of additional measures around deep clean Um, uh, and a range of a public awareness campaign also. So we take our safety responsibilities extremely serious as a public transport provider, um, but we also remain very much committed to ensuring that we can give passengers the confidence to come back onto public transport safely, um, to do so to get about their um, everyday lives, but also as an important part of tackling the climate crisis also.
0: I call Mr Jim
2: Allister. Wouldn't reopening the Lisburn to... um uh, Antramine greatly facilitate a connection to our international airport, and isn't that vital for the future success of that airport?
1: I thank the member um, for his question. Uh, and as I said in the response to Mr Butler, part of the all and Strategic Rail Review is to look at rail connectivity and the links to our international gateways, so our airports like the International Airport, Belfast Airport, Derry, but also to our ports uh, as well. I think that is important in terms of uh, provisions for passengers, but it is also very important, as Ms Dodds highlighted, in terms of growing the economy also. So That will be a key element uh, of that work.
0: Thank you. And Just before we move to the next question, I should remind members that question number nine has been withdrawn and topical question four from, from myself has been withdrawn. That could have proven to have had some practical difficulties. Yes. Um, so now I call Alan Chambers. Thank you, Mr Deputy
2: Speaker. Question two.
1: Mr Deputy Speaker, Northern Ireland Water is a statutory consultee in the planning process and as such the company does not make planning decisions, local planning is the remit of local councils. Northern Ireland Water provides information and advice to the appropriate local council and the council is obliged to take that advice into consideration. However, councils ultimately make the planning decision which may or may not reflect the advice of the statutory consultees. Northern Ireland Water does not receive notifications of the reasons for planning refusals or delays, and therefore would not be in a position to advise on how many planning refusals are related to sewage infrastructure issues. Such information would be best obtained from the planning authorities based within our 11 local councils. However, Northern Ireland Water is due to roll out a new planning response template this month, and the implementation of this template will help facilitate the tracking of negative planning responses provided to the various planning authorities.
2: Mr Chambers for a supplementary. I I thank the Minister for her answer, but can can the Minister detail uh, any cooperation she might be having with the Minister for Communities on this issue? and specifically what solutions have been fought forward to allow houses, particularly social housing, to be built in areas uh, that have a weak Northern Ireland water infrastructure.
1: I thank the member for his question, uh, and he raises a very important point, because we have um, an acute shortage of social and affordable housing in Northern Ireland, uh, and we need to work collaboratively to address that. Um, Part of the case that I made at the executive to secure funding was the fact that if we do not invest in our water and our wastewater infrastructure, then we will not be able to build the many homes that we need. I have also, as the Minister for Infrastructure, engaged with um, the Northern Ireland Federation of Housing Associations, recognising the importance of this issue, and I am very keen to work with them in terms of any possible pilots for sustainable drainage systems as well. I can also assure the member that Northern Ireland Water has met with the Northern Ireland Federation of Housing Associations and Housing Association's chief executives on several occasions and we 're working with them to address the challenges. Uh, I can also advise that we 're working for example with one of the housing association 's choice housing to look at a pilot program to try to address some of these issues so it is an issue that we 're very alive to. it 's an issue that I um, have been engaged with all executive colleagues on and we 're working with the housing providers as well as developers also
0: could I welcome the minister 's
4: answers Minister you know that uh, NAW received a budget of three hundred and forty-four million million for the one year. But in terms of sewers infrastructure, you mentioned regional balance. We need to avoid regional balance in terms of infrastructure. So my question would be there's a hundred areas of constraint in terms of sewage infrastructure. Have you any indication of what areas are going to be uh, or there those capacity issues over the next year in terms of some of those constraints? I've got the Mr Deputy Speaker, the,
1: the member is right to highlight. Um, the acute difficulties that are presented to themselves when we try to address the historic underfunding of our water and wastewater infrastructure. As a committee member, uh, Mr Boylan will also know that the utility regulator has identified an investment requirement of £2 billion over the next price control period. He has also rightly identified that I have allocated this year um, some uh, £345.5 million. Uh, This is the first time in a long time that the funding requirement identified by the utility regulator um, has been met. We, will, we know that we have around 100 locations in Northern Ireland that are either at or beyond their developmental capacity. As a result of this year's funding, we should be able to address some 40 of those locations. I am happy to provide the member with a detailed list of the projects that we intend to take forward, because I have also ensured that by allocating from my department this year, we can accelerate some of the projects uh, that are, were due to be worked on. So I am happy to provide that detail to the member.
0: Casey okay, Digg, Colin McGrath, uh, Colin McGrath for questions.
4: Thank you very much Mr Deputy Speaker. And, uh, can I thank uh, the Minister's answer so far which includes uh, reference to that substantial investment that there is in Northern Ireland water and which it has been looking for uh, for a long time. It will undoubtedly go a great way to resolve a lot of the problems in the construction industry as well, but could the Minister detail um, maybe how long it will take for Northern Ireland water to be able to assess the capacity concerns so that people can start to get some sort of timescale to assist them with their work going forward?
1: Mr Deputy Speaker, I can advise that, given the level of investment that is required, it is envisaged that it could take some 12 years, so two price control periods, to address the issues that have been identified in our water and wastewater infrastructure. So it is very clear that we need to have a plan going forward and that, as an executive, we need to continue to prioritise investment in our water and wastewater infrastructure if we are to realise any of the outcomes in our draft programme for government.
4: Uh, Jonathan Buckley for a question. Minister, while I welcome your response and know the pressures that are now on Northern Ireland water and the need for, for continued investment to allow development to continue, the Minister will know of my continual plea for those uncompleted developments who still to this day cannot uh, connect up in terms of uh, their road infrastructure and, indeed, water infrastructure because of problems with legacy developers, who are now no longer to be on the scene. Minister, I think of Birchwood Manor in my own constituency, which I have repeatedly lobbied for. Has the Minister engaged with NI Water about ways in which they can help connect these forgotten developments so that those citizens can benefit from the full infrastructure that they deserve in their developments?
1: Thank the member for his question. Um, and he has identified an issue. And, you know, as we have referenced in terms of the questions to date, in respect of Northern Ireland water and our water and wastewater infrastructure, we are struggling to secure the requisite funding that is needed for Northern Ireland water to fulfil its statutory obligations. There are a number of sites across Northern Ireland um, where there are, that remain unadopted and their water and wastewater infrastructure is not within the ownership of the responsibility of Northern Ireland Water. In saying that, Northern Ireland Water has been engaging with residents across a number of those sites and remains willing uh, and able and ready to engage with developers and with residents to try to find some forms of resolution to this very difficult issue.
0: I call her Leah
1: Flynn for
5: a question.
1: Last year, I established my Blue Green Infrastructure Fund to focus efforts on a green recovery. Out of that fund, I invested £6 million specifically in active travel schemes, including both spend by my department and grant funding for green waste delivered by councils. This is the highest level of funding for active travel projects in a single year. For this year, 2021-22, I have more than doubled that commitment to £13.5 million for active travel. I am very conscious of the need to develop better walking, wheeling and cycling infrastructure uh, right across the city, and particularly in areas such as North and West Belfast, where there is currently a notable lack of facilities. To demonstrate my commitment to enhancing cycling connectivity in Belfast, I announced on 4 June the publication of Making Belfast an Active City, Belfast Cycling Network 2021. The publication of the network provides a blueprint for the development and delivery of coherent, connected and safe infrastructure for everyday cycling in the city over the next 10 years. As part of a £3 million investment in walking and cycling in the Belfast area, some £750,000 is earmarked for Belfast Cycling Network schemes in 2021-22 as a starting point. Work will also be undertaken in developing schemes for delivery in subsequent years. I want to move from plans to actual delivery on the ground, and I have asked officials to focus on what can be delivered in all parts of the city in the short term and to work with stakeholders to make better walking, wheeling and cycling infrastructure a reality in both West Belfast and throughout the city. I also recently met with the West Belfast Partnership Board to discuss their vision and ambitions for development of safe, attractive, comprehensive commuter cycle routes in West Belfast. I very much welcome their positive response to the Belfast Cycling Network. And the proposals for West Belfast. My walking and cycling champion is continuing to work with stakeholders from the partnership to increase active travel in the west of the city.
0: And
5: I thank the Minister for her detailed response. She has probably partially answered the, the supplementary. Um, the additional money for the active travel, which is a big improvement on previous years, um, is welcome, although it's a small percentage of that that goes towards cycling. And with the Belfast Cycle Network Plan, although again very welcome, it's getting the funding to deliver to the areas that need it. And West Belfast obviously only has one percent of the city's. Um, cycling infrastructure, so maybe outside of the meetings with officials and the West Belfast Partnership Board, is there any other initiatives that the Minister can take um, to sort of ensure that the the active travel is firmly rooted um, within her her budget and to get that spread across all the areas um, evenly? Thank you. Um,
1: As the Member points out, I think it's really important that we enhance our walking and cycling infrastructure, particularly in the areas across Northern Ireland where there is a dearth. Uh, I think the reality is that we're starting from a very low starting point, and when you're working on these schemes, considerable amount of time and effort has to go through to the design of the schemes, doing the community consultation. The other restriction that we have is that we're still operating from single-year budgets. So while I have identified a £100 million investment for the Belfast bicycle plan over the next 10 years, of course I can only commit a single-year funding to that. So I've given a commitment, as I've said, I have. Uh, I have put in the greatest amount of investment in our active travel um, from any other minister. I remain committed to doing that uh, and, as I have said, I have also increased staffing resource within each of the divisions across Northern Ireland so that we have very much at the heart of each of our roads divisions a very clear focus on active travel, the design and the expansion of our networks. <laughs>
0: Uh, Pat you
3: me for Finally, and and, and uh, thank you, Minister, for your answers so far. Minister, what plans are there for expansion of the greenways and cycling across Belfast and Lagan Valley? Thank you.
1: In order to deliver my ambition of. 13.5 million pounds, specifically the Active Travel. As I've said, I've resourced additional staff within all four roads divisions. These staff, along with existing staff, are currently working on bringing forward schemes for delivery this year and next. Officials are also working, as I said, on a delivery plan for the Belfast cycling network, and I plan to publish that in the autumn. The delivery plan will identify key schemes throughout the City with a particular focus on those areas where there is currently little separated or traffic-free infrastructure. It will also provide a focus on linking pieces of isolated infrastructure into a more coherent network of routes. A key element of securing delivery is communication with stakeholders and consultation on proposed designs. This is resource-intensive and inevitably means that this will form a greater proportion of the work in the earlier years of delivery. Consequently, capital expenditure will be low in year one, but it will build year on year over 10 years to deliver the £100 million that I have identified as required for implementation.
0: Paula Bradley, Bradshaw, for a question.
1: Um, thank you, Deputy Speaker.
5: Um, thank you, Minister, for answering what the written questions I submitted around South Belfast. We have a lot of very keen cyclists there and also the information on the Belfast um, Cycling Network. You mentioned there around stakeholder engagement. I wish um, I would appreciate if you could give us a wee bit more details on that
0: and also how you are going to cope with the arterial routes, especially in South Belfast, where there are cars that are parked in the
1: middle of cycle lanes at present. Thank you. Um, as I said, an important part of this work is to bring communities with us, uh, and so we carry out a, a, a degree of community consultation. If I think, for example, in the member's constituency of South Belfast, there is a, a pop-up cycle in um, on the Dublin Road, for example. The member will also know that there is currently two petitions one to have it removed one to keep it uh, so it just shows and, it, uh, and is an example of the, the difficulties that you can face and the challenges when we try to bring about change In saying that in respect of that particular um, cycle and we're engaging in a, in a, a survey at present um, we're hoping that that will be completed by September so that's to get the views of people to hopefully to build on that in, in terms of South Belfast there will be challenges uh, and that's why we're tra- trying to take a very kind of pragmatic and flexible approach I think the best approach is to advance those schemes where you know, they are easily implemented, because I'm a believer that when you demonstrate success you can build momentum, so we will be very much led by that, but of course we'll continue to work with elected representatives and councils as well so that we can make as much progress as possible. Related to this is the issue of pavement parking as well, and that is an issue that I have also been very keen to try to explore, so I am working with officials as well. We need to take a more comprehensive and holistic approach to these matters, rather than just look at cycle lanes on their own. It is about how people can move about much more freely, and how we can maximise the opportunities that they have to engage in active travel, and safe active travel as much as possible.
0: Can we bring Claire Stogden onto the screens, please?
1: Uh, Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Question number four. Um, A primary function of the Department with respect to planning is to formulate and coordinate policy for securing the orderly and consistent development of land and the planning of that development. The transfer of powers to councils and the introduction of the two-tier planning system was intended to enable councils to interpret and apply strategic policy as set out in the Strategic Planning Policy Statement for their areas through their local development plan and development management responsibilities. This has empowered local government to meet the needs and aspirations of local communities, taking account of the particular context and circumstances which they face. There will therefore be some different local planning policies and decisions to reflect the differing circumstances of each of our councils. However, it is also important for the integrity of the planning system that the wider regional policy objectives set by my department are maintained across Northern Ireland. The Department has a number of powers and functions which enable it to monitor the operation of planning matters by Councils to oversee and secure the implementation of both regional policy and good practices. The Department's interest in exercising these powers is not to interfere with the Council's right and responsibility to take its own decisions, but for the purpose of considering the exercise of its strategic functions and to safeguard against systemic risks to the achievement of regional planning objectives.
0: I'll invite Claire Sugden for a supplementary, but can she hear us? okay um it's just we can't see you Claire no um we'll we'll try and come back to you if we establish connectivity here but uh Dennis uh call Sinead Dennis to ask a question.
5: Gurmuggett, last can cordia. Can I ask the Minister, in terms of planning, there's probably no decision more anticipated than that of Casement Park. Um, we know the huge cultural and economic benefits that executive flagship project will bring. So can I ask the Minister when will she be in a position to finally approve
1: uh, planning permission
5: for Casement Park? Gara um,
1: Thank the member um, for her question. Um, and casement is a hugely important um, application. Um, as with all applications, my officials are working to progress it properly uh, and at pace. Um, my, uh, officials, my planning officials went out to Belfast City Council uh, for a consultation as required under the legislation. My understanding is that we have just received a formal response from Belfast City Council, uh, so my officials will be reviewing that and continuing to work Uh, very hard to ensure that we can get this application process obviously correctly following all of the statutory uh, procedures and requirements. And as I've stated many times in this House, uh, rugby has its home, soccer has its home. It is only right that Ghillie Games would have their home and in Ulster.
0: I call Roy Bakes for a
4: question. Uh, how homes and businesses are developed uh, across each of the councils and indeed in their area plans can have huge long-term implications in terms of their energy requirements for transport and for heating. So, my question to the Minister is, how can we ensure that there is a consistent approach and, in particular, to ensure that climate change implications are taken on board?
1: The member raises uh, a very important point, and uh, as I said in the the response to Ms. Sugden, um, we need to have a degree of flexibility for councils to be able to tailor their local development plans to meet the needs of their local population. But we also need consistency and adherence to wider strategic policy. Uh, My view uh, and the strategic plan and policy is around sustainable development, so that has to be a key component of that. The member will know that I have also recently announced that I am taking forward a review for renewable and low carbon energy development within the wider context of the climate emergency, and that is part of our efforts to support a green recovery from this pandemic. Um, uh, It is also uh, one of the reasons why I am very keen to pursue the Independent Infrastructure Commission as well. because I think this would have an important role to play in ensuring that we bring experts in, that we have that important uh, element of public consultation and that we have a 30-year vision for our infrastructure and planning that has very much at its heart the need to be ambitious when it comes to tackling the climate crisis.
4: I call
0: Jonathan Buckley.
4: Mr Deputy Speaker, and the, the committee will watch closely and follow closely the review of the planning policy as something is a key priority area for the committee. And while I recognise that area plans will allow councils to rightly tailor plans to local needs, which was the primary purpose of the devolving of those powers, can the minister indicate whether or not her department will be looking into whether or not uh, planning powers that were devolved to Council have both been operating efficiently and effectively for uh, the constituents in which we all serve? Because there are many within the planning system right now that are frustrated by the long delay in planning applications, not in any particular but across the board. Is that something that the minister will look at going forward in a review?
1: So there are two elements to this. Um, uh, there is the, the need to be monitoring our, our local councils in terms of their planning performance review, and there are a number of ways that my department is doing that. The second element is what is my department doing to improve its performance when it comes to the planning system. Uh, My department is working closely with key stakeholders in a number of ways to improve the processes and increase the efficiency of the planning system to ensure that planning applications are processed in a timely manner. The member will know that we have conducted and carried out a review of the implementation of the Planning Act 2011. Uh, that review is underway and it will provide an opportunity to consider any improvements which may be required to the way in which the Planning Act has been commenced and implemented in subordinate legislation. Work is also ongoing with statutory consultees through a cross-government planning forum to improve processes around statutory consultation and statutory consultation response times. In addition to that, my department, as part of a collaborative project with 10 councils, will be delivering a new planning IT system next year, which will improve the submission and processing of planning applications. Community engagement is also a really important part of our planning process in an area that I believe should be improved, and that is why I established the planning engagement partnership and that is to look at how to enhance the quality and depth of community engagement in the planning process at both the regional and local planning uh, levels. I recognise the need to have improvements uh, in our planning system at both the regional and a local level, and so we remain committed to doing what we can in the department, but also working with our local councils as well, given the importance of it to grow in our economy, and that is particularly acute as we emerge from this pandemic.
0: That ends the period for listed questions. We will now move on to 15 minutes of topical questions and I call Stephen Dunn.
4: Mr Deputy Speaker, the Minister will be well aware of the very significant backlog in getting practical driving tests. Many are simply unable to get a test. Can I ask what further affirmative action that the Minister is going to take to address this unacceptable backlog? Thank you.
1: First of all, Mr Deputy Speaker, if I could just pass my condolences to Mr Dunn uh, on the death of his father and just to say that he's very much welcome in this chamber. Um, the DVA currently has 38 full-time driving examiners and 39 dual role examiners who conduct both vehicle and driving tests and can be utilised across the network of test centres to meet driver testing demand. A further 10 new dual-role examiners have been identified for driving examiner training. and The first of these examiners is now conducting Category B, which is private car driving tests. And A further tranche, uh, if they successfully complete their training, will commence driver testing by mid-July. In addition, the DVA is also currently progressing an external recruitment competition for 10 new full-time driving, driving examiners, who uh, we expect to start testing by mid-September. The DVA has identified four additional departmental buildings in Belfast, Coleraine, Cookstown and OMA, which can be used as temporary driving tests if they are needed in the local area and there is sufficient driving examiner capacity. The new temporary test centres at Cookstown and OMA have now opened for appointments. and This has been communicated to all approved instructors and customers through the normal channels, including NI Direct and social media. DVA is also offering driving tests on Sundays for heavy goods vehicles and buses at Belfast, Craig, Avon and Derry where it is suitable to do so without compromising the integrity of the test. The DVA is also offering Category B uh, and uh, Modular 4 CPC tests in some locations on Sundays. Again, where it is suitable to do so without compromising the integrity of the test. The Lighter Nights also provides the opportunity to increase the number of driving tests that DVA can conduct each day, and each Category B driving examiner is conducting between six and nine driving tests per day. Extended opening hours will require the use of overtime to provide the additional capacity, which is being offered to all trained driving examiners on a voluntary basis in line with Northern Ireland civil service terms and conditions.
4: Mr Dunn, for a supplementary. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker, and thank the Minister for her answer and her welcome here today and they certainly welcome those those actions to take, because it it is very, very frustrating, particularly for young people who are trying to get on the test. Just um, in late April, there were over 22,000 people who held uh, valid theory tests, um, and they were waiting to get a practical driving test. Can you just um, maybe tell the House what the latest figures on it are, if possible? Thank you.
1: Um, Given the public interest in the statistics that the Member has requested, the Department is now publishing provisional testing statistics on a monthly reporting cycle, and they are all available on the Department's website. The latest monthly report for May 2021 was published on 15 June. The monthly report for June 2021 is scheduled to be released on 20 July. I can assure the Member that the Driver and Vehicle Agency has and continues to work hard to increase its capacity to meet the high demand for driving tests for all customers. Um, Through increasing its capacity, I am pleased to say that in May, the DVA conducted 5,476 driving tests, which is 35% higher than the five-year average for that month. I remain committed to minimising disruption and ensuring our plans for the restoration of services in hand, However, all driving test services across these islands are experiencing high demand with longer than usual waiting times, and we would, ask patient, or we would ask customers for their continued patience while we work as hard as we can to work our way through the backlog.
2: I call Mr Alan Chambers. Mr Speaker, uh, Whilst there has been uh, a welcome increased uh, capital funding for Northern Ireland Water this year, uh, they need a long-term plan with significantly greater funding in subsequent years to develop the water and sewage infrastructure to allow new homes and businesses to be built and, importantly, to mitigate against localised flooding. What is the minister doing to secure this long-term plan and funding?
1: I thank the member for his question. uh, As we we discussed in the question so far uh, there has been historic underinvestment in our water and wastewater infrastructure, and I do not need to rehearse the social, economic or environmental reasons why we need to correct that failure. Um, the utility regulator has identified £2 billion as a funding requirement for the next price control period, so that is for the next six years. Um, as I have said in, in response to a previous question, it is estimated that it will take us 12 years to correct all of the challenges in our water and wastewater infrastructure. We are severely hampered by the fact that we are still operating from single-year budgets. And While I am pleased that this year I have been able to allocate enough funding to meet the utility regulator's requirement, there is a significant challenge every every subsequent year. So, I, As long as I am the Minister for Infrastructure, I will continue to make the case um, around the executive table. Because If we do not invest in our water and wastewater infrastructure, we simply will not create the jobs that we need, we will not grow the economy in the way that we want to, we will not be able to build the many homes that we need and we certainly will not be able to tackle a climate emergency.
0: Mr Chambers for a supplementary question.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Deputy Speaker. Uh, I, I thank the Minister for her answer, and I do recognise and acknowledge her difficulties, and I think she maybe has answered my supplementary uh, uh, answer there. But what are the consequences if Northern Ireland water is not properly funded in subsequent years in terms of our water and sewage infrastructure?
1: Uh, since taking up this post, one of the things that I realised is that we take for granted our access to safe, clean drinking water. We take for granted access to uh, a clean and efficient wastewater system. In actual fact, if we had any severe difficulties in that area, our society would grind to a halt. It is a public health issue, it is an economic issue, it is a societal issue uh, and it is also an environmental issue. Uh, It was perhaps one of the most important areas requiring sustained investment that we have going right across our economy. I make the point again that we may have our difficulties in the executive, uh, but we all believe in ensuring that through our programme for government, we really can get the right outcomes for our citizens. The Minister for Economy, the Minister for Education, uh, the Minister for Communities, uh, myself, none of us will be able to achieve those outcomes if we don't invest in our water and our wastewater infrastructure.
3: I call Mervyn Storey. Uh, thank you very much, Deputy Principal Speaker, Minister. One of the issues that you have sought to champion has been the issue of integrated uh, transport. And when you come to a regional town such as Ballymoney, where I live, uh, sadly that is not the case. Because if you step off the train and you seek to get a bus at the train station, you have to walk to the centre of the town or on the outsk- outskirts of the 30 mile an hour. What undertaking will apologies? What undertaking will you give to give serious consideration to an integrated facility in Ballymoney, as a regional town, the one of only which I think has such a facility, doesn't have such a facility, so that bus and rail are integrated in a way that gives the passenger experience the best possible opportunity.
1: I thank the member for his question um, and. Um, I think we'd be doing a lot more, if I'm being honest, in terms of having a more integrated system when it comes to transport and actually seeing how all of the components of a transport system come together. So how we maximise active travel opportunities, what we do to encourage people into public transport, the role of taxis, and we had a a debate earlier on in the Chamber on on the importance of our taxi industry, and our private bus and operators, as well as community transport, how all of those come together. The Member may know that my officials are working on the Regional Strategic Transport Network Plan, um, and that's going to look at um, our transport system, our bus, road and rail, uh, up to 2030. That's going to go out for consultation later this year, and I would encourage the Member to respond to that on the particular issues of Ballymoney, I'm happy to, you know, if the member wants to write to me around specific asks to look to see is there something that we could do in advance of the uh, regional strategic transport plan, or certainly at least to hear him out and, you know, uh, have the case made to me.
3: Mr. Tory, for a supplementary. Uh, thank you. David. Speaker, and I thank the Minister for giving us that opportunity to, and we will respond. But will she also take in mind that it is not just the impact that it has on local commuters in terms of Ballymoney, but the town of Ballycastle, uh, which is very dependent on its connection uh, to Ballymoney for the train service, which has been a phenomenal success? But will she also ensure that a, t- a regional town like Ballycastle has that interconnectivity? Uh, so that whether you are a visitor or whether you're a resident there's an integrated uh, approach to transport between it's not a case of either or it is a combination of both between rail and bus
1: yeah, I thank the member for his question. And, um, I know that I, I speak very passionately, some people might say, about rail connectivity. I actually do so because it's been neglected, and I think it's a huge untapped resource You know, in terms of, of our island, and Northern Ireland in particular. Uh, I don't say that because I want that to see that happening at the detriment of our bus uh, network. I actually believe in growing our public transport network. So for me, it's very much looking at both and seeing what we can do to maximise that. And the member will also know that what I've done is uh, significant investment in our bus provision around hydrogen buses, for example, again, so very much committed to greening the uh, public transport network, greening our bus network, um, and we will continue to remain committed to doing so.
0: Uh, the Member is in his place for the next question, therefore I call for Declan McAleer on screens, please.
4: Uh, uh,
0: Can
4: can I ask the the Minister for an update on the public inquiry into proposals for the goldmine and the SPAONS AONB?
1: The member will be aware that I announced um, my clear commitment to a public inquiry. Um, the pac has indicated that it wishes to have all of the relevant information before it uh, in terms of giving us a date for the hearing uh, so the member will be aware that in respect of the parlangs uh, there is uh, remaining information to be gathered on that when all of that is submitted and at the earliest opportunity we will be submitting all of that information inquiry, to the pac and then and obviously the, the member will PAC know that it is up to the pac to set that a date it wishes to have for all that of the relevant inquiry. information i, I believe this is important because everyone Hearing, uh, the local so the community. member will be aware, aware that it needs to have to their say and for their views uh, to be gathered. There is uh, remaining information to be gathered on uh, that. When all of that is submitted check at the, the earliest opportunity, we will be submitting all of that information entirely. The PAC has indicated that it wishes to have all of the relevant information. I believe it is
0: Declan and, and Shinnerfad, are you still with us? Declan? No. Um,
4: I'm still there? technical difficulties, but uh, the Minister will be aware that there is a very contentious local issue. There's over, uh, there's almost 40,000 people who have registered objections. Can she give a timeline for this inquiry and assurance that it will be accessible and will carefully take on board the views of the local community? Kermit-
1: I recognise that this is a hugely complex and controversial application, uh, which was why I was very clear uh, on my commitment to go into a public inquiry. The Member will know that that is an independent process and uh, so f- therefore an the date for that hearing that is out with the gift of myself as a Minister for Infrastructure, board but I can assure him that we are doing everything that we can to ensure that all of the information is available is as quickly com- as possible to ensure that application, application, that is then provided uh, to the public inquiry, because I, I recognise uh, the importance of giving people the opportunity right. to if have their voices that an and their views yes, on this so really important and difficult application. The um, as Member is here I for question sure, number
0: seven, yeah. so I think we'll get uh, sure the we in from yourself there, to Mr
1: Graham. Mr.
0: Mr Deputy Speaker, um, can I ask the Minister, in relation to roads maintenance, and there's been gross underspend in recent years in the roads maintenance budget. Um, even recently, contractors were pulled off roads. Uh, they were told in the morning the money had run down in the Southern Division a few weeks ago. Has the Minister any plans to increase the maintenance budget?
1: Roads maintenance is a a hugely important issue, and I have said in this House that um, you need to get the basics right for people to have confidence in you uh, as an executive and as a minister, but we also need to be doing the transformative pieces of work as well. I bid for £120 million for road maintenance in this financial year. Um, That is an increase on last year. The Member may also know that um, in terms of the rural roads fund, um, I have uh, increased that fund by 50% um, so that we now have £15 million pounds set aside specifically for rural roads. The member may also know that um, the asphalt contracts were subject to legal challenge. My officials are currently working through interim solutions to try to address that because I want to make sure that we are getting work on the ground as quickly as possible, but I do want to reassure him that none of that will impact upon the rural roads fund.
0: Brief supplementary, Mr Irwin. Can I thank the minister for a response? But the minister was fully and acutely aware, I'm sure, of the, the dire state of some roads, and I think it was vital uh, that as much as possible can be put into. It.
1: Mr Deputy Speaker, I want to um, thank the member because he continually raises this issue uh, and gives it the rightful recognition that it deserves. Um, He will know that the Barton report identified a funding requirement or an investment requirement of about £140 million per annum just to maintain the road network um, as is. so It is hugely challenging in terms of the financial situation, um, but I will continue to do what I can to ensure that we can get uh, our roads fixed. I am also very mindful uh, of the state of the roads in our rural communities as well, which is why you know, I am advancing the Rural Roads Fund.
0: Right, members, that ends topical questions. If you choose to take your ease there till we move to the next item of business, or the continuation of the Integrated Education Bill.